0: hello are you recording yes you are okay
1: uh okay one two three (laughs) amazing
0: all right love it
1: not our intro music at all though like it isn't even close (laughs) no
0: not at all and i listened to it what like how many times yesterday and i still just can't sing it like (laughs) it's not a thing like
1: it sounds like we're it sounds like we're uh like a western yes (laughs) movie or something in my
0: head we are high noon gonna duel and oh, <laughs> oh!
1: Okay. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I could do a different song and be like,
0: "Bow chicka wow wow, chicka wow wow." That is wow wow.
1: not it either. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'll learn it someday. I'll learn it someday.
1: Okay, so what are we talking about today?
0: Well, should we greet everyone? <laughs>
1: No, they don't get a greeting. We're here already. Okay.
0: Hello, everyone. Welcome.
1: <laughs> Hi, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to You Can't Be Sick on Mondays, Happy Monday, or whenever you're listening to this podcast. Um, hope you're having a great morning so far, afternoon, evening. Um, what are we talking about today?
0: Today, we will be talking about disassociation, uh, desensitization uh, in our lives, and in policing. And yeah, I think those are two very big and heavy topics, but we're gonna cover mm-hmm. some ground with it today. And of course, we wanna let you know that if you have any questions on anything we talk about in these episodes, please reach out to us. Our email is you can't be sick on mondays at gmail.com. You can send us private messages at you can't be sick on Mondays through TikTok and or Instagram. And yeah. So do you wanna dive yeah. right into it, Mister?
1: yeah <laughs> mister um, Sorry. yeah let's get into it <laughs> um so we we started uh thinking about recording this podcast because i had just recently written two two articles uh back to back about uh t- police brutality um if you don't know i'm a writer um i write news articles um for a website called dot and um the the articles that I write are usually either they're either viral videos or like really heavy news um so or like stuff about celebrities it's a good mix um I happen to write two really disturbing articles about um police being brutal uh to citizens and um I have to like watch these videos uh like pretty much over and over again to like get the story straight and um I have you know I have to quote what people are saying and for the one that I just wrote recently there was a black man who was um being arrested and the officer uh pistol whipped him in the head mm-hmm. um which if you don't know what that means it means just like hitting someone in the head with their gun um or just hitting them with their gun in general and
0: and why did he have his it gun was, out like, <laughs>
1: I literally don't even know. I don't... There was no reason. Like, the guy... There was a group of men, and they all ran, except for the one guy who they were going to arrest. Like, he didn't even run. Everybody else did. There was no reason. He was just sitting on the ground already. And he also was complying with everything the person was asking him to do. Wow. And for some reason, he had his gun out in the first place. And there was two officers. Like, it wasn't like... If you felt like you were in danger, like there was at least someone else there to cover you, you know? Like, there... So that didn't even make any sense. And also, he was complying, so that didn't make any sense either. But he had his gun out. And then he also was, like, choking the guy, which I'm like, what the... Like, I don't even understand. Um, He was arrested, which was cool, but um, not the guy. Like, the, the police officer. Both police officers were arrested, and they were charged. But they also were released on, like, a $1,000 bond. Okay. Um, So... I don't know what good that does, but...
0: Do you know um, what charge they were arrested for with this incident? There was a
1: laundry list. So, this happened in Colorado. Okay. Aurora, Colorado. The police officer, John Halbert, um, was arrested and so was his partner who was there... um,
0: Witnessing...
1: witnessing uh officer martinez well i mean Mm. she was kind of helping a little bit like she wasn't she was also grabbing the guy she wasn't doing like the brutalization in the same way but Mm -hmm. like she shouldn't have been also forcing this guy to do anything um
0: well and as someone who claims to protect and serve she should have stepped in and said hey this is enough like this is not right 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 stop
1: um exactly so she was that's why she was also arrested um so the charges were charged with attempted first degree assault second degree assault a felony menacing official oppression and first degree official misconduct okay and then the other one uh was charged with duty to intervene and duty to report use of force by a peace officer
0: oh okay said
1: yeah
0: yeah Well, I'm also surprised at the low bail um, because so in the state of California, when you are arrested on multiple charges, typically bail is set at whatever. So with crime, there's hierarchy, right? There's uh, murder is very high offense and uh, carjacking is a lower offense. And then petty theft is even lower, right? And then bail is set at the highest crime you committed amongst all of them so like let's say you went to the grocery store you stole a pencil petty theft and you ran outside and you murdered someone with that pencil and then you stole their car your bail is going to be set at the murder rate (laughs) so um so i'm just surprised with with the assault charges those are typically higher bonds um, but I do know this past year in the state of California, they passed something where bond is set at basically like a sliding scale. You know, if if someone can't afford a bond of a million dollars, that's their their bond for whatever crime it is. And then if if that a different person what they can afford is a $1000 bond that's what's set. I don't know all the rules with the crimes cuz this was a brand new law that came out as I was leaving the industry, but I wonder if Colorado has something like that. But then it begs the question is why is this officer why why can't an officer afford a higher bond?
1: <laughs> right. But I mean I don't well, know enough I'm about curious, it. I'm curious though. I'm curious if his was higher and
0: Hers was lower. Because
1: the, yeah, because I think Martinez, who was the bystander officer, was released on a $1,000 bond, but they didn't say how much Halbert was. So it could have been that he was given a higher one because he had so many charges. But regardless, I mean, he was released, like, the next day. So I, I don't really know what the point of of having all of these Arrests if people can just post bond anyways. Yeah. I don't know. I hear that there are people who are calling to abolish the like cash bond thing in general. Yeah. Because it is so classist, but I'm then I'm like, okay, like then what about like when protesters get arrested and have to like be released and we have all these funds for like bail like I don't know like it just that also feels like it would be going against us because then people who shouldn't have been arrested in the first place can't even get released by like us pooling money together you know what I mean yeah
0: here's my my hot take I guess um let's see how hot it is I think that if you are a public servant Meaning you work for the government in any capacity and you abuse that power. So you're a cop and you're abusing people and it is obviously excessive force outside of the means of your training and whatever, whatever that means. But even if you are like a DMV worker who's releasing information to the wrong person, I feel like if it if it constitutes an arrest, there's no bond for you. You are a public servant who knows better. You've been trained. I've been to government trainings. They are very thorough. I've been told if you do this, you will be committing a misdemeanor. You will be arrested. You know, so it's not like there's this oblivious attitude to it. It's not like a situation where you go and you start a job on the floor at a, a mall store and the the manager is so busy they can't even tell you how to do certain things to your job and then you mistakenly give someone a discount you know it's not like that in government (laughs) you know there's very serious protocols in place there's serious training this officer would have had years and years of training plus upkeep training and for them to do this to another human being I don't think there should be bond like you should sit in a jail cell because you put people in there all the time doing your job doing doing what you're supposed to do and then if you do something wrong you're released like no 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 yeah but also this guy resigned officer halbert resigned
1: which honestly that feels like just evading um
0: i really hope uh, yeah well and i hope this resignation doesn't constitute his if they have friends at the DA's office you know all the officers know the prosecutors right I hope it doesn't constitute that prosecutor going well judge he resigned from his job he's out of that career now so that's all the punishment that's needed like I'm sick of that stuff happening
1: same same it's just such an evasion of of accountability and I and I I, that is such and then they get their their pension right they get their money yeah yeah wouldn't they yeah Yeah. so you know that doesn't do literally anything
0: it does nothing and
1: like what you know what is stopping this person from like literally going into some field and then just doing horrible things to people again and like finding some other way to abuse their power you know like there's nothing stopping them from doing that so but in terms of of the desensitization and this goes along with this story is like so this person is being brutalizing citizens and abusing their power mm-hmm. how do you get to that point where you have s- so little empathy and so little understanding of your surroundings and and this person is screaming some horrible things and is like pleading for his life how do you not hear that and stop and and do something change your behavior so that you and then how does the person who's a bystander not see and hear this happening yeah. and also not do something like how are you that disconnected from yourself and your surroundings and and those around you and like just so disconnected from empathy It blows my mind. You know,
0: it's it's almost like they have sensory inhibition training. (laughs) Like it's like they have training to desensitize themselves and Oh yeah. Is is
1: this a lead (laughs) into our next talking point?
0: (laughs) I mean it could be, but you asking those those questions is how could someone how could someone put hands on another human who says, please stop your killing me and continue, right? Yeah, and, yeah. and then we wonder those things and we sit as normal people. I, I don't want to use the word normal, but as people who have empathy and people who, who don't want to harm others, we sit there and go, how can this human being do this? And the, the reality is, is they're trained to do it. They are trained yeah. To, to shut off sensory inhibition so that they can tolerate hitting another human being. You know, it's, it's, called, it's called defensive tactics, but the reality is, is it's, the science behind it is desensit- desensitization training that helps officers stay in the fight.
1: <laughs> Ugh, my blood is boiling as you say this. I, like yeah. literally, I'm just screaming in my head: "Abolish the police! Abolish the police!" Like yeah. I cannot. Oh my god, it makes me so. Well, I, and I, and as a as a person who is just an everyday citizen, I didn't even know that that existed. Like right. I didn't know that that was even part of the job description.
0: Yeah. Well, I can read you an excerpt mm. from Police One magazine, which is like the magazine it gets sent to i think every law enforcement agency i i know some officers who subscribe to it it's you know the cutting edge <laughs> anyways disgusting so this is a, an article that was written um quite a long time ago but i i do believe that most of it still stands today in their training they just call it different things now it says new officers come to us with little or no training in physical combat often without ever being involved in a physical fight as if that's a bad thing um they never experienced a punch or a kick and equally important they have never punched or kicked anyone themselves They need experience, and they need it fast. Prior to hitting the streets as a police officer, they need what we call desensitization training. They need to be desensitized to the trauma of either having to hit another person or being struck by another person. Being desensitized allows officers to manage physical trauma so that they can, quote, stay in the fight, end quote, and win a physical dragged-out knockdown fight.
1: What the fuck? <laughs> I just, <laughs> I just don't understand. I, oh my God. Why would anybody think that that's a good thing? Why you would know, anyone think that's a good thing?
0: I think where it started, it, you just to kind of go into the history of policing just a little bit, police didn't used to fight people. It, it wasn't, like, a thing. It was just kind of like they'd walk around, they'd do an arrest, they would, you know, stand a line, whatever. But when um, when the riots were happening, the L.A. riots and the Berkeley riots and all that, policing changed a lot. Um, a lot of new laws came out.
1: The L.A. riots happened in...
0: 92. The Berkeley riots were, I think, in the 70s or 80s. Uh, maybe the 80s or right. early 90s. I, I've met officers who worked the Berkeley riots who said that they would they would get called in as mutual aid to go help with these fights of these citizens and they would go meet up with the San Francisco officers by the way the San Francisco officers used to be like the worst officers ever in the state of California even worse than the LA sheriffs and they would go meet up with these uh, San Francisco officers and the the, the San Francisco officers would be like, hey, take your badge off. And they'd be like, why? And, and they're like, so that way we can fight. Because they used to not be allowed to fight. And so they would take their badges off so they can go hit people and not get in trouble because the citizens who were being hit didn't know who was hitting them because they didn't have their badges on to say, Ooh, I, I work hell? with Berkeley police or I work with San Francisco police or South San Francisco and so they would hide their identities to fight. And I think what came out of that, and after, you know, the L.A. riots, Rodney King, all of that, there became trainings on defensive tactics, desensitization training, where we need to teach our officers how to actually fight in a way that is civil. And the, the issue with that is... There's no civility to fighting another human being, you know. It's not like martial arts where there's respect and it's it's an art. It's not, you know, it's called martial arts. It's, it's a type of fighting that's not for control. It's a type of fighting that's for body autonomy. It's a type of fighting that's for uh, skill and technique and control of one's body and mind. But defensive tactics and that all of that sort of thing is to basically teach your body and mind that I can hit another human and be okay with it, and I can get hit and be okay with it. And you're basically shutting down your sensories, your sensor inhibition that basically says, I don't want to hit people and I don't want to get hit. I don't want to hurt other people, and I don't want to be hurt and these sorts of trainings Mm -hmm. tell you oh well it's not okay to strike someone with a closed fist this is what i was told in defensive tactics when i took it don't hit people with your fist closed just put two two knuckles up and and hit them you know don't hit them in the face hit them in the ulna nerve if you hit them in the ulna nerve it creates pain compliance and if you do this sort of pinch here you know It's all about, yeah, (laughs) it was all about technique and control. And now that I'm talking about this, when I went through DTAC training, I didn't realize what they were doing to me, you know, because you're going through it thinking at any point in time, someone's going to fight me, you know, because that's what they're teaching you at any point in time, someone's going to fight me and I need to be able to keep a clear head, make good decisions and not hurt myself or them but the reality is is they teach you how to hurt people in a way that isn't normal, <laughs> you know. They teach you how to how to use and pinch their nerves, how to separate their ribs, how how to get them to flip over. Um, you know, they they the teach hell? you these things and while I was going through that training, I was like, "Oh, this is so I have an edge on someone who doesn't know how to fight. This is so that I can get them in compliance and not have to fight them as long. But the reality is, is why am I fighting? Why am I putting my hands on another person in the first place? Like, why right. is that happening? You know, I know right. there are criminals who are combative, but, yeah. but why are they being combative? That's the question. Why are they being combative? And why are you putting your hands on them? Is it because they don't want to get arrested? Okay, let them calm down a little bit. Like, especially right. if they already have cuffs on them. But, right. yeah, this this whole desensitization training, is like, <laughs> people aren't born with the ability to hit. <laughs> Let's overcome that. <laughs> it's just... I just... Ugh. I'm
1: so angry. I'm so angry at this because... It's it also is putting such a wedge between these the police officer in their mindset right yeah like you're you're putting yourself above the public you're putting yourself in the position where everybody is a threat all the time
0: mm-hmm.
1: and which is not true no like, peop, nobody's just like it's not like every person out in the world is like ready to fight a, well maybe they are right now but. <laughs> <laughs> not every person in the world is ready to just punch a police officer in the face right I mean maybe I am right now because no. fuck that but like <laughs> you wouldn't. no. but like I would never honestly I am so passive I would run away yeah. before I <laughs> do anything like that um but uh but it's it's already putting a uh idea in their head that they have to be ready to fight at all times and also how is that why would anybody want that job why would anybody want to be in a position where they're on guard all the time and it just goes against the entire like protect and serve idea like that how is I'm ready to fight at all times related to the word protect at all like (laughs) I just
0: Well, and and you touched on something. You said something really good is, why would anyone want that job?
1: There was specifically a moment when we found out uh, the verdict of George Floyd's murderer um, a few months ago. Mm -hmm. And I was looking at the news. I was like watching it happen on like a TikTok live with someone who was... Who was live streaming the um, the verdict, and I was a little bit shocked, and I was also like, "Okay, where's the catch?" Mm-hmm. Like I was waiting around for like hours after that, being like, "Where's the catch?" Like, "Where's where is it gonna? Where's the rug gonna be pulled out from under us?" And something was gonna be revealed that like the verdict was incorrectly. Given or the something else, there was some caveat. I was like waiting for it. Yeah. And then the next day, I get assigned an article about Micaiah Bryant, who was a sixteen-year-old woman who was, um, or a sixteen-year-old girl. She's a child who was murdered by the police. And I, I, I read about the news. You know, I got my assignment, and I just didn't feel anything. Mm. And I think there's a moment, especially for me as a neurodivergent person, where I feel like like depths of empathy that are probably too, like it's a blessing and a curse. It's like too much <laughs> empathy. Um, it was so bizarre to me to feel nothing yeah. um, when I heard that. And I wanted to cry. Like I wanted to feel that and I just my brain didn't let me it was like no you've been through too much already today and and also on top of that it was like at the same time there was a bunch of fighting for these anti-trans bills to be um killed you know like there was that was the same time frame where like we the my the organization I volunteer for was about to go into um public comment about the um the bills in the state of Maine that were trying to be passed that were anti-trans women and girls in sports um, mm-hmm. so all of that was happening at the same time and I was just like you know my brain just said nah we're done for today <laughs> um no more and and I wrote the vid- I wrote the article I watched the video a million times so I could um, report on it correctly and you know, out of all of the articles that I've written, that's the one that I remember the most oddly enough. Like I, you know, I had to pull up this article to like reread what what I was <laughs> writing about because mm-hmm. I block it out after a while, but this one just hasn't gone away even though it was the one that I think I felt the least amount of um emotion towards and I think I think that was because it felt so traumatic to me to also hear that it was a child, you know, um, a child that was in a situation she never should have even been in and the police never should have been involved in that anyways. Um, so all of that to be said that the positions that a lot of people in this country are forced to, to put themselves in Because of the work that they have to do, um, is traumatizing, and and I don't I I don't want to brush over this and say that like, you know I say we have to put ourselves through it because we're all being put in this position to to make money to survive to make it through Mm -hmm. especially during this time when um, the the money that people make is not enough to survive to begin with based on rent increases and um the prices of of food and and um any other kind of bill that you might have to pay uh is going up all the time like and we're now going to be living through these like natural disasters and because our our like world is privatized like like all of these companies are going to jack up prices for things like just all of it is traumatizing to begin with and then on top of that, we're doing work that is traumatizing, and that is just appalling. Um, yeah. And I don't have I don't have a I don't have anything like insightful or beautiful or uplifting to say about this, which I normally do. I normally have some sort of like <laughs> thing of like, well, you can do this, and I just don't anymore. I
0: I, I just think this kind of ties into something we talked about a couple weeks ago when we were kind of talking about the podcast and our voice and our why and Samson and I were talking about, you know, the more we deep dive into these things and the problems and the more I provide insight to him (laughs) on things I've been through and my friends have been through, you know, working for law enforcement and government. I, I want to have some compassion for the people who are doing the job I do not like how the job is being done. I do not like the training, the policies, the way that it um, has established um, its re-victimizing of victims. I don't mm-hmm. like any of it. That's why I'm on the on the side of, it needs to be completely dismantled and rebuilt. And I know that's probably not an option But I can't, it's hard for me to see another way because Samson talks about writing these stories and watching these videos and experiencing, you know, complete, uh, lack of emotion because of having to watch these things and see these things. Imagine being the person who's told to do that for their job. And day in and day out. Like, what calls did that officer go to before he killed Micaiah? What calls was he experiencing? And what what was the mindset when he got there? You know? And what tools were not being provided to him and his department that killing a 16-year-old girl was the option? You know, those are the things I'm asking. You know, I I'm not a sympathizer of a murderer. I just think there are things happening to these people who take on these jobs. Like, again, why would you take this job when this is what's happening to you? This is what they're doing to your mind. They're allowing you to be okay to hurt people and be okay with that. Why is that okay? And why is that a career path? Mm
1: -hmm. A
0: viable career path? You know, so... I also don't have anything insightful or, you know, like a a note to leave this on that's kind of like, all right, everyone, let's come together and and we can do this to make it better. I just think, you know, if you are in the career and you are experiencing call after call and disassociating from who you are as a human while you are doing your work, you need to reevaluate your work. And you need to reevaluate what's going on. And that's a personal journey. (laughs) Yes.
1: I have like 20 thoughts in my head right now. And I guess so.
0: All right. Number one. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) There's a few
1: things. So, you know, you say like we can't abolish this as a system and rebuild it. But I think we can. Like,
0: I hope we can. I just, it's hard for me to see it.
1: So the way that I see it happening, the the only way that I can picture it happening right now is like, so something that I'm pushing for in my community and that like other places are doing right now is, um, there's, there's a, there's like three different programs that I know of that are, are two of them are already happening. One of them is, is just past a budget for in Eugene, Oregon, there's the CAHOOTS program. And um, I'll leave some links in our description about all these programs so that you can read more about it. But Cahoots has been happening for like thirty-one years now. Um, it's basically an alternative to police. Uh, I think it's patched into nine one one. I don't know if they're connected to the police department at all. But there's basically a. It's what Black Lives Matter has been asking for. It's a um, a social worker or some sort of mental health person with a medic of some kind and there's just these two people that go out in a non-police official car uh they're not in like a uniform or anything they go out they like uh talk to the um the people who have called or you know whoever was called on um and it can be for uh, a homelessness issue a addiction issue um a suicide issue a uh domestic violence issue and they go out instead of the police the police usually like show up but cahoots has the uh the right of way so they can tell the police like we don't need you to be here you can leave and then they leave (laughs) and and then the other one that is based off of that is the star program in denver colorado which just started um they just had their six month report come out earlier this year um and yeah so they're they've been really successful um so they're doing the same thing and then the the place that just passed their budget for this, which was half a million dollars, uh, is in Norman, Oklahoma. Um, So they're gonna do a similar program. And they're, you know, they're... Norman, Oklahoma has uh, 122,000 people um, about in their population. And Portland, Maine, where I live, only has 66,000 people, just over. Um, And that's not a lot. (laughs) So I'm like, why couldn't we take you know, mm-hmm. two hundred thousand dollars to to get this going. Um you know, patch them into nine one one if if that's how we want to do it. There's also like we have a line you can call, it's two one one. And that's supposed to be uh a helpline uh of sorts for other issues that are not police related that you can call that like connects you to resources. So like there are other options, but like people don't know about them. Yeah. <laughs> so
0: we have the highway you know. one when you're driving on the highway, it'll say like mm-hmm. call 511 or whatever for road mm-hmm. assistance or whatever. <laughs> and I was like, what's yeah. that? So, yeah, people, there's not a lot of information. People don't know about it. Yeah. So we will share this information in the description of our episode. So if you want more information, we'll have the links in there. Um, I did want to mention that there is a public safety. Uh I don't know what to call it. It's just called public safety in the city near me where it's not police and it's not firefighters. It's a combination of the two and so i'm sitting mm-hmm. there going if they can train a single person to be a combination paramedic firefighter police officer if they can do that right. why cannot they like why can't they train a person to be a paramedic mental health worker police officer especially right. once these term once the expectations of policing is defined better because i think what's happened right. over the years is policing had a very um one note you know we enforce the law a law is broken we come out we take care of it we're done and it was very one note and then it slowly morphed into this thing of like we are community policers we are this we are that and then slowly they started taking on things that that aren't being they are currently not mental health workers they are currently not social workers and yet there are trainings to teach them in how to deal with the mentally unwell individuals in our community and to deal with these sorts of things. But I don't think that training is good. I I don't think it's good. I don't think it's acceptable. I don't think it's based in evidence at all. It's definitely not
1: trauma informed. That's for sure. (laughs) No,
0: no. And I think because they are of this mindset of the top priority in my job is the public safety and the law enforcement that when they go into a situation with a mentally unwell person who may be erratic they're going to switch off the mental health worker trauma response and turn on the law enforcement response and be like you are a public nuisance we're going Mm -hmm. to arrest you and i don't blame them for doing that that's their training and so i I just feel like if they really can dismantle it and rebuild it in a way that is better, like I, I also want to see what the six-month report says because I, I hope it's good. You know, like I I want these programs to work because I yeah. feel like that's the only way we can move forward and, and especially keeping the people who are going into this job human you know, maintaining their humanity. Mm-hmm. I I think, I think it should be a job for them, not a lifestyle. That's right. you know, period. Right. Um. The people who, who make it about their power and authority, and make it about hurting others, and this is an outlet for my racism. This is an outlet for me to get right whatever this is. That all needs to be completely completely deleted from the whole picture like there needs to be There needs to be multiple checks and balances to make sure that every event that your police officer goes through that is potentially minimally impactful on their mental health, that needs to be evaluated every time. Because you don't know what instance is going to tip someone over into the, I don't give a fuck anymore. I'm just going to do this job and I don't give a fuck anymore. In my career... I, I know people who have killed people. I know, I know that that's happened. And I, I still to this day do not know if they got therapy or debriefing for it. Do not know. And I worked with them. <laughs> I, and for me to be in the position I was in, to not know if that happened as a manager, and then also yeah. reading the policies... And there not being a clear defined policy on if, there, there were all the policies on if a shooting happens, uh, the weapon gets taken away, the person's put on leave, the this, the that, that. And it's like, okay, while they're on leave, are they talking to a therapist? Are they getting debriefed? Are they going through a new psyche valve? Are they doing a fitness for duty? Like they just killed another human being, nothing nothing of that sort was in any of the policies that we got from the state and and department and that's something that i want to change personally like cuz that's something i think yeah. i think really needs to happen
1: i'm even thinking about the instances where the police get called because someone's about to jump off a bridge mm. and even if they didn't jump and they saved them you should still be talking to someone after that happens because yeah that is still a traumatic event. I mean, I, it it ended up being okay because the person yeah. was alive. But even if you've saved someone, you sh- still should be talking about that. Like it's your adrenaline goes up. Mm-hmm. Your there's so much that happens physiologically with the body. I'm also thinking about like the book. Everybody should read this book. It's called The Body Keeps the Score, hmm. and it's all about how our trauma lives within us. And and I mean, I can't even imagine because. Not only is there instances where you are like physically chasing someone or fighting someone or, you know, whoever you are dealing with is actually fighting you, <laughs> is actually trying to hurt you. Um, Like your body remembers that trauma, too. And what are they doing to take care of themselves? You know, like there's so much that goes into this that that. There's science. There's literal science about all of this <laughs> that that the police just aren't doing anything about, you know? Like, there's yeah. no conversation well, and, being had about it. it.
0: Exactly. And I think I know people in the career who take it upon themselves to get help. Who do that for themselves. And that's, you know, I knew an officer who got into a fight. And during that fight, they realized, I don't want to ever feel this helpless ever again. And so they Mm -hmm. took it upon themselves to learn how to control someone in a manner, you know, so they they ended up taking like a karate type class because they wanted technique, not brute force. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, why isn't every police officer learning technique? Like, why aren't they learning right. technique versus I can muscle my way through this? And it's like, it's the same with therapy. I know officers who went and got therapy, but it wasn't through work. It wasn't through mm. any of that. And they did it on their own. And it's like, think good for you. Good on you for taking care yeah. of yourself.
1: And when you say, uh, when you say they should be learning technique and not um, brute force, like they should be learning de escalation <laughs> in the first place. Like they yeah. should be learning how to not fight anybody to begin with, and yeah. then learn some technique. If in for whatever reason you cannot de escalate a situation, because I feel like I've also seen so many videos where the police officer has made someone more uncomfortable and more escalated when the situation didn't even have to be escalated in the first place and it's like why are we even why why are we even putting people in a position where they should be worried about a police officer making making a situation worse (laughs) (laughs) like that's just
0: well and uh, i will note i will note the the officer who who Experienced that situation and wanted to learn more technique versus brute force. It was an ambush situation, and
1: yeah, I do yeah. want to
0: note that that these people are in a position again. Why would you take this job? You put on an outfit, <laughs> literally a costume with a tin badge, and people there are people who hate you enough that are willing to hide in a alleyway to jump on you because they know your routine or whatever, and yeah. And so in those situations, there is kind of no, it's not like you can go, okay, what are we feeling right now? Like, do you need a minute? Do you want to take a breath? It's kind of like a go, 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 go. Um, But yeah, I 100% agree. We, um, at the police department I was in, there were a lot of de-escalation trainings, and our police department Mm -hmm. had very few hands-on instances. Um, I had to report every use of excessive force to the state, And in the six years I was there, I only reported one. And wow. Yeah, so I'm surprised. Yeah, and I I do think a lot of that here in California kind of comes from a lot of the history that we've had. Um, The state takes it very seriously and and requires certain trainings. And de-escalation is one of the big ones because they don't want, Mm. again, they don't want the fights to happen they don't want that stuff to happen but they're still not given the tools when you know to take care of their mental health to debrief to to those sorts of things and and i think that's still creating monsters <laughs> you know like yeah. you're you're creating desensitized depersonalized individuals and yeah and and you're giving them a taser a baton and a gun And you're saying, here, go handle everything for the next 10 hours by yourself in a, in a city of 15,000 people. Good luck. And it's just like, (laughs) it's a lose-lose, right?
1: (laughs) This is a wild thought. And I would really love, there's probably no like researchers listening to this podcast, but if they do... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I would really like a study to be done to see how many, how many of the police officers that are actively on duty, especially the ones that have a history of misconduct,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I want to know how many of them, when they were a baby, did their moms let them self-soothe themselves <sighs> when they were crying in the middle of the night? Yeah. I don't know if you saw this TikTok, but the there fir- was a woman who was talking about- The um, wait. Yeah. What is it called? Ferber
0: something? Not no. Am I thinking sure. Gerber? <laughs> yeah. Uh, did you
1: already look it up. Is that what it's called?
0: Yes, I did look it up. It's called okay. the Ferber okay. method, and they call it Ferberizing, I guess. Which kind of sounds like an yeah. '80s, uh, an '80s sci-fi thing. But <laughs> I wonder that too. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Most of the officers I was working with were millennials. The ones in leadership were the ones who this probably would have I mean, I mm. guess millennials too, but No,
1: I mean people are still fervorizing. Like Why? That is still a technique that is being Why? T- like taught to parents. I don't know. I don't know. But it is literally the quickest way to form a sociopathic person. <laughs> like yes. Babies do not literally up until like Five I think age five or six. Yeah, she said. the first like, five years. Yeah, they don't know how to self-soothe. You have to help soothe them. Do not let your baby cry in the middle of the night. I know there's probably going to be a lot of parents that will listen to this and be like, no, you're wrong. Uh, No, science has proven over and over again that that is not the correct way to handle a crying baby. Um, I'm going to say as a
0: childless woman in my 30s, it is the wrong way and stop doing it. And I'm judging you if you do. So there. (laughs)
1: Yeah, and I'm also saying it as a childless uh, person in their 20, in their early twenties. Um... <laughs> but anyway, should we ha- do? You want to read some of those things off that list to wrap us up, and then we'll send them off.
0: Yeah. So the one I found it talks about leaning on your loved ones, facing your feelings, prioritize self care, and be patient. Um, did you have uh, others that you would? want to share too
1: yeah um you know if you've been through a traumatic event and you're struggling i i would say um you know try to get as good of sleep as you can stay away from the news like stay away because the news is just it's bad it's uh, and it will continue to re-traumatize you i love this one in particular understand there will be changes like and this one is specifically talking about like disasters like it destroys homes it can you know um, break up families you will might not have your job you might be out of school like whatever it may be like there are a lot of things that um can happen when there is a disaster or a traumatic event of any kind where you things will be different for you and mm-hmm. things will be different for the rest of your life um, and that is like a reality um chemically things are ta- changing in your brain when you go through trauma and that is changing how you will function for the rest of your life and like So learning uh, uh, ways of coping and, like, ways of dealing with those things, like some of the things that you just mentioned are, like, ways of coping with the trauma. Um, Like, that – those are things you need to really pay attention to, focus on, and, like, prioritize. You have to prioritize your health and your well-being. Yes. Um, With someone. Find a therapist. Find a really good friend that's going to be willing to let you lean on them for those things, um, yes. with their consent, of course, or call a helpline, honestly. Like there, those people are paid to do that. And if you can't afford to go to therapy or you don't want to dump on a friend, like helplines are free. Um, I'll put a few helplines in the description for you to call. Um, if you're going through something really difficult, please reach out to someone. It's really important for your health.
0: Yeah, and I want to say as someone who's from the career of law enforcement that it's okay to feel the feelings you're feeling and it's okay to not like your behavioral changes that are coming from being traumatized over and over again. It's okay. It's okay to be frustrated in your work situation because that's happening to you. And it's okay to seek help. And if you're someone who knows me from working with me uh, during that time and you want to reach out to me because I personally know the, the operations and agencies you work for, I will <laughs> offer that. Go ahead, text me. You have my number. I know you do. And um, to everyone else, um, I can't really open up that space for you. But there are so many resources out there. Like Samson said, there are helplines. There are people who are specifically trained to help you unpack your trauma and your stress and get you going on a route that's going to be caring for your body mind and soul
1: Thank you so much for listening today. Um, This was a really, you know, emotional episode, but we hope that some of the coping mechanisms we just talked about and reaching out for help um, inspire you to do so and um, take care of yourself today. Uh, But also have a terrible Monday (laughs) for balance and restoration in your world. Um, We hope it's terrible.
0: Yes, and thank you for listening. Uh, Please follow us on Instagram. You can't be sick on Mondays. TikTok, you can't be sick on Mondays. If you want to email us, you can't be sick on Mondays at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. Have a terrible Monday. We'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bow chicka wow wow. Chicka oh wow my wow. Gosh, no. <laughs> bad boys, bad boys. What you gonna do? Oh, Sam's in your face. <laughs> <laughs>
1: gonna get like a copyright infringement for this like so they're gonna come after us
0: (laughs) you'll you'll stop it you'll
1: so do you want to um oh my god wait sorry
0: no go ahead hang on oh god wait Uh uh-oh no it's okay we're
1: gonna fix it it's okay we're gonna save it it's fine
0: you got it you got it the urgency in your voice my god (laughs) sorry (laughs) it would have
1: been really tragic if my if my computer died and we lost all that footage that would have been horrible
0: holy shit i wasn't even thinking about that
1: yeah (laughs) that's why i was panicking
0: in my head i'm like oh don't worry i got it all right here (laughs)
1: Yeah, you don't. You don't got it all right here.
0: <laughs> no, I'm. Uh, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>